happening this week on your favorite soap opera. It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and it's hard to believe it, but we're drawing to the close of another year. And with that, there's just a handful of episodes of Subcentral Live left in 2010. So what better way to kick off the final four episodes of the year than to take a look back at the hits and misses, the tops and the flops from 2010. That's right, this week it's a look at the best and worst of all your favorite soaps in 2010. And we'll also be previewing what's ahead for the six remaining soaps as we move into 2011. Now, this is not going to be the only best and worst show. In two weeks for our Christmas Eve show on December 24th, I'll be joined by some of SoapCentral.com's Two Scoops columnists who will be previewing our yearly tradition, the best and worst columns. Find out what our columnists have picked as their favorite moments of 2010 and the moments that they'd like to erase from their memory banks. And then the following week for New Year's Eve on December 31st, it's a look back at the first year of Soap Central Live. We'll relive the amazing guests, the unforgettable moments, and find out how I did as a host. It's a very special episode that leads up to our second season, which premieres on January 7th, 2011. But before all of that, we have today's show, and I'm pleased to welcome back a friend and colleague to the show. It's Richard Sims, the executive editor of ABC Soaps in Depth and CBS Soaps in Depth. Richard, thanks for coming back and hanging out with us. Thanks for having me. Now there's a lot of pressure because I know that in two weeks you're doing this whole best of thing where you're like, what if I don't make the cut of the best guest? I'm going to be really, like, I have to work really hard tonight to try and say something so witty that I make that cut. Okay, well, that's pressure on you. I have pressure every week because I never know what's going to happen. But just to let everybody out. Uh, to know, in addition to pressure of everything else, we're testing out some new technology on today's show, so hopefully you'll enjoy the way the show sounds and there won't be any technical glitches. If there are, we'll try to adjust them as quickly as possible. So let's try to figure out, I think the best way to handle today's show was to devote the first half to talking about the best and worst of 2010 and maybe some of the big news stories. And then in the second half, we'll discuss some of what's taking place on the soaps now and if those stories will or should continue into the new year. We'll also preview of some of the other things that are coming up in 2011. And we're also going to be taking your calls at 866-472-5788 so you can share your best and worst picks with us. Now, this is going to be a jam-packed show, everybody. So if you're able to get through, we're probably going to have to keep your call shorter than normal just so that we can get everything in that we want to talk about and get to as many of your calls as possible. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter at SoapCentralLive. So with that, Richard, how about we just go alphabetically and start off with All My Children? All My Children. Um, I think as far as the best thing on All My Children this year for me, it has to have been Angie and Jesse. Um, it's, it's, you know, when they were first brought back on the canvas, or I should say when he was first brought back, there really was not, uh, you know, their, their story was kind of del- dead, not really a lot to it. But this year they actually got great stories, some human emotional stuff, you know, between her going blind and having to make the decision about whether or not to continue with the pregnancy and the medication that would hurt her. They've been a little backburnered over the last couple of weeks, but, but overall, I think they, for me, were definitely the highlight of 2010. 
Interesting. Uh, I noticed that in the latest edition of ABC Soaps in Depth, that's actually one of the fans' picks as well, Angie getting pregnant, uh, and of course her blindness, and it's sort of a, there was a life and death situation in there, and it was pretty different. That didn't make my cut for the best. Uh, actually, for me, the best moments on All My Children in 2010 were two special episodes. The first was the 40th anniversary episode all the way back in January. And then the second was the tribute to Palmer Cortland, which still kind of makes me a little teary-eyed. And I, I watched it again last night. And, uh, you know, it shows to me what good soap writing can do. And those were both, I think, done under the tutelage of Lorraine Broderick. So uh, that really, really is proof to me that if you know your shows and you know your stories, you can really, really please the fans almost all of the time. You know what? I'll give. I, I'm going to make two points there. One, you expect me to remember last January? Please, yes. I'm old. Um, <laughs> and, and two, I agree with you. Um, I, I think those were both standouts. I was really, when, you know, when I was kind of in my head thinking of um, the best of the year, um, those did both come to mind. Um, but I kind of pushed them aside because I was looking more at overall storylines in my head than I was sort of standout episodes. Although I would have to say, even storyline-wise, Palmer's death was, and the way they handled um, the passing of James Mitchell, is actually, you're right, a really great standout this year, because um, while Francis Reed's passing on Days of Our Lives was, was, you know, a beautiful thing that was handled over weeks and weeks, what, what all my children really managed to do was propel story forward with Palmer's death. I mean, you know, it kicked off a lot of the Annie J.R. stuff. It kicked off Scott mm-hmm. stealing the nanotech. It mm-hmm. kicked off Caleb and, and Erica. So, so it not only was, was the tribute and the, uh, that were the tribute episodes fantastic, but they kicked off great storylines. So I have to give you props on that one. That's a great pick. Well, I have some worst as well that I want to get to, and actually one of them sort of ties in with the best. I thought one of the best moments or best decisions for All My Children was to bring Julia Barr back as Brooke, knowing that David Canary was leaving the show and they would have to write off Adam, which is one of my least favorite moments, the fact that Adam Chandler is no longer on All My Children. I think it was a really nice way and a good way to sort of make a bad situation as good as it could be. I agree. Julia Barr was the spoonful of sugar that, you know, helped the medicine go down. We knew we were going to lose David Canary. We knew that, you know, there was just – he wasn't going to stay. And so they, they found a way to take a really bad situation and, and give, it, give us something that we loved that it made it at least a little bit easier. For me, it's nice knowing that um, Adam and Brooke are out there somewhere traveling the world. My personal worst has to be – um, the 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 reunion of Ryan and Greenlee, um, I I just I don't care for them as a couple. I mean I I feel like we've been there, we've done that. Uh, it nothing good has come from it. I did not like that David was not really dead. I mean yes, we got that one day of great drama when when he walked into the courtroom. But if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Every single time soap writers go the fake death route, they make it impossible for us as viewers to actually commit 
to, to having an emotional attachment to the show. When Zach died, you know, let's see. David w- was, Greenlee, who just came back from the dead, was accused of killing David, who wasn't really dead, and as a result of that, Zach died. You know, I don't really have a big uh, commitment. I'm not going to sit there and cry over Zach's death when... <laughs> You know, everybody in Pine Valley who hasn't been declared dead stepped forward. Nobody. <laughs> uh, so, so, that, so this whole thing felt like one a way to write off Zach, which they had to do. You know, and I and I get that. Right. But more in all of that, it, it it sounds to me like even with what you just said, it sounds like you're still holding back on how you really feel about the Ryan and Greenlee pairing. I I really I just I it's I, I like Rebecca, Rebecca Buddick. I like Cameron Matheson. But here's the thing. Why force or or push these two characters back together? We've been there, we've done that. When you have two very, very popular actors who could easily be spun off into new pairings. You know, I like Ryan and Madison. I think they're a great couple. I hope the fact that she's pregnant pushes them together. I actually really loved the story, the idea of David and Greenlee, because you had these two people who had been, you know, sometimes because of their own actions, but they, they kind of perceived Pine Valley as having done them wrong. And they were they created this power couple who, you know, weren't really traditionally in love, but we could watch them fall in love as they sort of lashed out against Pine Valley. To me, that was a potentially great story. And instead, what we ended up getting was a typical soap story where, you know, he pisses everybody in town off and she, uh, uh, and, and then he gets killed and he's not really dead. And it's all designed as a grand plan to push Ryan and Greenlee back together. I just don't get the appeal of that. Two quick things. One, I think saying pisses off is a really good way to get you on the year-end reel, probably under guests not to have back because they curse. But before we move on, because we want to make sure we get to every uh, show, if you had to pick one performer from All My Children who you would bet money will receive a daytime Emmy nomination, which one performer would it be? Alicia Menchu. Um, I think this last couple weeks, the stuff that she's done in the wake of Zach's death, um, I, I've never really, I like Alicia Minshew, but I've never really looked at her and seen, you know, like, like this level of just astonishing acting. And I, I, am, I am floored by some of the stuff she's doing. So she would be my pick. Since you picked that, that was also one of my uh, picks was Alicia Minshew. I also think Debbie Morgan will get one for everything that Angie's done. Uh, I don't want to go on too long on All My Children to make sure that we get to everything else. But if we go back, if we have some time, we'll go back. So let's go to... Gone but not forgotten, As the World Turns. Obviously, the worst moment of the year is the cancellation of As the World Turns. So leaving that aside, what would you say are the best and worst moments of As the World Turns in 2010? The worst moment for me, hands down, was the end of Luke's storyline. Um, I found it incredibly bizarre and and. Uh, not just mildly, but pretty offensive, that a show that got so much attention for telling a storyline, uh, you know, a same-sex couple storyline, not just one, but two, ended their show with Luke being the only character on the canvas not to get a happy ending. That just was beyond jaw-dropping to me. As far as the best, I would have to say sort of, I guess... I kind of forgot as well turns was on. That's how bad it is. Um, as far as as far as the best, I liked a lot of the stuff with throughout the entire year with 
um, Jack and Carly. I thought, you know, and Janet. I thought that was an interesting triangle. I thought toward the end it got a little rushed in wrapping them up. But I was really involved with these characters. I really enjoyed the story and the journey of Jack, Janet, and, and Carly. Now, I don't know for sure that the show will submit a whole lot of uh, people for consideration for daytime Emmys, but if you had to pick one person who you thought surely deserved a daytime Emmy nod from As the World Turns, who would it be? Oh, that's a tough one, because I think As the World Turns had such an amazingly talented cast, and because of the fact that the show was ending, you know, a lot of, the, a lot of their people got to show their very, very, very best work. So it's, it's a really tough call, but I... Hmm. I think I would have to go with um, Van Hansis. I thought I thought he did some really nice work. I think I have to agree. You know, I'm not sure who's going to submit. So there's there's a whole lot of stuff in there. Uh, I'd sort of like to see. Well, there's a couple of people I think that have long been due a daytime Emmy nod, but they're on other shows now. So let's see what happens. Let's quickly move to the bold and the beautiful. The Readers of Soaps in Depth magazine picked Stephanie's cancer storyline and the homelessness storyline as some of their favorites. What about you? Let's talk about best and worst. Uh, me, the best was, without a doubt, the Brooke Oliver uh, tryst, um, in general, and specifically, the reveal of it. It was jaw-dropping soap at its very best. You know, the moment that, that she took off the mask and he looked across the room and realized, Oh, I just slept with my girlfriend's mother, you know, and and it, it was beautifully played. And even in the aftermath of it, for weeks there was some really some dramatic stuff, some funny stuff, you know, like every time that Brooke and Oliver were in a room and he got all blushy, and that was that was fantastic, fantastic stuff for me. Um, and uh, so that's that's definitely my favorite moment of the year. As far as the worst. I would have to say it's sort of more what we what we didn't see. You know, another year that we didn't get any story for Thorn. The fact that until the last couple of weeks, um, Whip and Taylor were basically shoved onto the back burner. Um, there was a, there's a, there's been a lot of neglected actors and characters on The Bold and the Beautiful. I also would say that for me, one of the worst had to be Bridget's Miracle Baby. Um, I yeah. don't. I just did not care for that whole story. For me, I pick anything that has Susan Flannery involved in it. Uh, you know, she's just one of those actresses that I kind of wish she was on every soap somehow. Somewhere along the way, I could see her being on any show and being, wow, she's a great addition to the cast. So I really liked the cancer storyline. Now, for me, yes, the Brooke and Oliver sex romp at the masquerade ball was jaw-dropping when you figured out who it was, but... I go back to the really, you know, you're doing something to somebody and you, you really have no idea it's, it's somebody else. I can't oh, get past please. that. The Bold and the Beautiful. <laughs> if ever there was a show where we have to suspend our, our disbelief. I mean, this is a show that would have us believe that Taylor, several years ago, not only died for the second time, but that everybody went up to her casket and kissed the body, you know, because it was an open, fun open casket funeral, and none of them noticed it was a plastic body. So I'm okay with, with them having sex and not really. I, I do wish that they had played, and they played this a little bit, but they didn't do it very much. I kind of wish they played a little bit more with the subliminal thing of, 
did they really know? You know, there were a few scenes where they kind of toyed with the idea when people were saying, you know, Brooke, you had to have known this was an 18-year-old guy. Or when they said to, you know, you had to know your girlfriend would not lead you out into the alley and have sex against a wall at her graduation party. I, I would have liked to have seen them explore that a little bit more and kind of have either of them come to the horrifying realization that, yeah, on some subliminal level, they totally knew that this was not, you know, who they thought it was. I actually like that. I think that's a really good uh, twist to it. So let's do the Emmy pick. One person, bold and beautiful, guaranteed, you think, to get a daytime Emmy nomination. Susan Flannery, hands down. You're, you're completely right in what you say about her. I think um, the saddest day in future soap history, and we all know it's coming eventually, is I don't when hear Susan it. Don't actually does retire it. because she talks about it constantly. So, so sooner or later she's going to retire, and that's going to be a sad day. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk about that. Hopefully, uh, when we do our year-end show in 2011, hopefully we're still talking about it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I'm, I'm not really ready to, to think about that. But one of the things that we did have to talk about, and it was on Days of Our Lives, it's my pick for the day's best and worst storyline. Of course, it was Alice's Memorial. I think, you know, you couldn't have done a better job. They did the right thing by taking time. So many times when someone passes away, I know that fans will write in and say, hey, you know, so-and-so is no longer with us. Why hasn't the show done a tribute yet? Well, not only are the shows taped ahead of time, of course, but I think that it's a smart idea to take time to get it done right and to really pay tribute the way that you would want to. So not only was it sad, but it was done so well, though, that it kind of made it that you really didn't want to miss it. I, I mean, I don't really know how to explain something being so sad and so good all at the same time. I agree completely. I mean, it. it I think the thing they did really well was that instead of just announcing, as often happens when an actor or actress dies off screen, instead of just suddenly announcing that the character was dead, you know, Alice was upstairs for weeks and weeks, and her friends and family had time to come, and they had time to talk about her, and we saw the lovely flashbacks. Um, I do wish that they had found a way to do sort of what All My Children did and use her passing to sort of propel story forward. I don't really feel like they did a good job with that, but that's, that's really my only complaint where that is concerned. Uh, as far as my personal best, I mean, yes, that's obviously, I think that has to be the best, but I'll pick a different one um, just because, uh, for the sake of conversation. And I think I would have to go with um, the EJ, Sammy, Nicole, Wraith, that whole mess. I think, you know, taking Brady to the dark side was just genius. It was absolutely brilliant. And, and Eric Martzoff, who was, let's face it, kind of a big hunk a hunk of burning wood on on passions just you know he was just didn't have any presence really all of a sudden on days of our lives he is just he's just come alive and it's because he's getting really fun good material i'd also say that victor vivian and, and maggie are just you know it's an example of sort of what yr or bnb does when they want to and that is the fact that your older characters can be put in the middle of great stories, and they can be fun, and they can be sexy, and and you know I, I think their the the humor that they've written into that story is what makes it really sell and work. So let's do before we take a quick call. Uh, do your Emmy pick for Days of Our Lives. Well, 
my Emmy pick, well, first of all, let me say my worst is definitely the end of the Nighttime Hope saga, which I kind of enjoyed. I liked Nighttime Hope until the end when it just went kaflooey, and, and Hope Behind Bars. <laughs> I've never seen a, there has never been a soap opera story in which a main character went behind bars that I was interested in, in the history of ever. It's, they always are exactly the same, and I'm just not interested. Um, as far as my Emmy pick, I'm, you know, I'm gonna go with Ari Zucker. Um, I, I just, I don't know why, but there's, I really have become a big fan of hers in the last couple of months. I think that she's been playing fun and vixeny and, and yet still also a little bit of heartbreak whenever she's around Sydney. Or, of course, Allison Sweeney, who, you know, Allison Sweeney should get an Emmy every two weeks, basically. Uh, but those would be my picks. Well, you've picked both of mine. So what we'll do is we'll take a call from Carrie from Texas before we get to the last three soaps. So, Carrie, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thank you. I have a few questions. Um, how long is Debbie Morgan stepping away from all my children? Well, the answer to that is it's undefined at this time. Uh, they haven't said, uh, they haven't really given a, a definite date, and I, I certainly would think, Richard, that would depend upon uh, her personal situation when she's able to return. I agree. I think I think um that they'll they'll that's something that the show will have to sort of I don't even know that they know right now. That happens sometimes when an actor takes a leave for, you know, whatever their whatever reason that's not if it's not storyline dictated, it's it's it can often be that the show doesn't even know. So they do their best to sort of write around it until they know when they're going to have them back. Uh, has the rumor about Roger Horvath coming back to One Life to Live died? As far as I know, it's pretty much dead in the water. Um, I mean, it could happen, but and and I think there are intriguing possibilities to it. But right now, I think One Life to Live is a show that's got a pretty big cast. You know, we're going to be adding Ted King at the beginning of the year. Uh, there's a couple of other new characters coming on. Uh, the, the, the Cutter character will be coming on it, uh, on New Year's Eve. So I don't know that they necessarily have the need or the room for him on the canvas right now. Well, thanks and, so much for calling in, Carrie. We appreciate oh, your call. What about Kim Zimmer? How long are we stuck with her? So, Carrie, well, we have to move. With, I, I absolutely love her, but I, uh, so I'm hoping that she sticks around a good long time. Thank so you. Thanks. Thank you, Carrie. We're coming up on the break in a couple of minutes, but I think, Richard, we might be able to get in at least some of talking about General Hospital. So <laughs> you and I talked before the show about this. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. How about your selection for the best storyline of the year on General Hospital? You know, this is this is perhaps the toughest question, and I have been dreading it from the moment the show started because, to be honest, there's not a lot on General Hospital that I've really particularly loved over, over the last year, except, I mean, the actors are phenomenal, the dialogue is fantastic, but the stories just kind of leave me cold for the most part. I will say... If I had to pick, um, if I had to pick a story, it would probably be, and I know people are going to hate me for this, but it would probably be Robin Patrick Lisa. Uh, I just think, I don't like necessarily how it's turned out, but I thought at the beginning there was a lot of potential there. Um, I, I liked the fallout. I thought, um, both Kimberly and, uh, Jason did fantastic 
fantastic work in the scenes when the when the revelation came out that he had slept with Lisa. I think it's interesting to watch a couple sort of, you know, have to find their way back together. And I also think that this plays on even though even though I hate that he slept with Lisa, it plays on a problem that this marriage really has sort of had waiting in the wings from the very beginning because he was a player. You know, this mm-hmm. this goes back to the oldest story in the book, Can a Woman Change a Man? And in this case, maybe the answer is, yeah, but you have to forgive him a few slips along the way. I have a couple, and some of them aren't necessarily storylines, but I like that G.H. did the remote shoot at MOCA in Los Angeles. I, I like when soaps go and still try to do big things, even if they're in the same town. I like that, the whole Franco art gallery thing. Maybe the storyline itself was a little strange, but I like to see shows step out. Uh, I also like the storyline with Michael Learned. Uh, I believe she played uh, um, Shirley. I think that's... Uh, I'm, I'm having a, a mind blank here. It, it was, uh, Shirley, and I, I agree. I liked having Michael Learned on. I wish she had been a bigger part of the show. I felt like she was really just there to sort of, you know, lend support to um, to Liz and to give her an ear to talk to and to sort of, you know, push her. Uh, and that... But I did... I enjoyed her very, very much. I think they learned some things from that that we're going to see. I think they learned some things from that as far as what did work and what didn't work, and we're going to see that... Um, the things things shaken up and changed a little bit with the introduce, introduction of um, Daniel Benzali and his character Theo. Um, mm-hmm. I think he, you're going to find that he interacts a little bit more with the canvas. I think you're going to find that he his storyline kind of goes beyond what what one might expect from how it starts. So I, I agree. I think that was um, I think that was a, a good story. I think this is a good time to take a break, but we'll talk about the worst of General Hospital in 2010, and then we'll turn our attention to One Life to Live and The Young and the Restless. And then, of course, later in the show, we're going to talk about what's going to happen on your favorite soaps in 2011. We also have Laura, who's waiting on the line. We'll get to her. And if you'd like to call in and be a part of today's show with your best and worst picks of 2010, call in at 866-472-5788. We'll be back with more of Soap Central Live after the break. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, so fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. 
Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Wielding power, shaping environments and outcomes, and making things happen are all essential characteristics of great leaders. Yet these qualities alone are not enough to ensure your success. In a complex world, how do you decide what's most important to you? In your career, your relationships, your finances, your family, in the world around you, in the whole of your life at large. Dr. Joseph Riggio, the host of Leadership Intuition, says that personal leadership, the desire to take charge of your life, is the key to creating futures that work and building a life worth living. Join Joseph as he reveals the power of uncovering and living your own personal mythology, the key to personal transformation, exquisite performance, and social influence. Learn to look inside and discover your personal mythology and unique leadership style. Go beyond conventional advice and discover your unique success blueprint on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, power, achievement, relationships. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live. We're halfway through our best and worst of 2010. Just to let everybody know, I do wave to you when they say, welcome back. And here's Dan. I wave just to let everybody know that I appreciate you. I also appreciate Richard Sims for being here this week yet again. And we're talking about the best and worst. So, Richard, GH, worst of 2010 i'm sure you have at least one or two picks just upon what well, you said in the last segment you know i'm going to i'm going to narrow it down to one and and it's of all of the worst things or worst moments of 2010 this is the one that makes me the saddest because it has to be Brenda's return. Um, I absolutely love Vanessa Marcel Giovinazzo. I don't particularly love saying that last name, but I love her. Um, and I, I, to me, how General Hospital managed to screw up what should have been a slam dunk is it's baffling. I mean, and we know exactly how they did it. Anyone who, if they had talked to anyone in the industry, anyone who loves the industry, any fan. They would have known. It, you don't bring the character back and keep her over in Rome for weeks and weeks and weeks talking to, you know, um, Murphy and Suzanne, who, you know, great actors, you know, love Adrian Barbeau, love um, the guy whose name I can't remember at the moment. But 
that wasn't what we wanted. We wanted Brenda immediately in the mix. And then when she did come back and she did get to Port Charles, all it's been is endless, endless talk of this Balkan. I don't care anymore who the Balkan is. I, I, I don't care. I don't care if he turns out to be Steve Hardy come back from the dead. I just want him gone. I'm done with this story. So to me, Brenda's return is definitely the, the miss of 2010. That's actually was my choice, too. Uh, it was not what I expected. When you have someone coming back to the show that people have been wanting to come back since the day she left, and then you have all those people who are suddenly, eh, eh, you know, eh, they should have been, you know, screaming out their windows and, and saying, oh, my God, she's back, she's back, she's back. But it didn't work out. So before we take our call, our Emmy picks for the shoe-in to get an Emmy nod from General Hospital? Um, you know, I would have to go with one of the standbys. Uh, I, I love Maurice, and I love Tony Geary, so I would say either of them. Although, interestingly, I kind of, if I had my way, I would go with either Laura Wright or um, Lisa Lo Cicero. Laura Wright has the amazing ability to, right now, I want to strangle Carly, and not necessarily in a good way. Um, I think Carly is obsessed. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand it. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of single-minded obsession that seems like the kind of thing she should be getting psychiatric help for, and yet Laura Wright sells it, and somehow I just absolutely love watching it. And Lisa Lo Cicero, well, you know, I think everybody knows I would watch Lisa Lo Cicero comb her hair and give her an Emmy for it, so, so that one might be a little jaded. <laughs> Remind me of the next break to find out what strangling someone in a good way is. Uh, my, Emmy pick, <laughs> my Emmy pick is Lexi Ainsworth for the teen abuse storyline. I thought. Oh, that, you're right. I think that she's a, a, a shoo-in for that. So before we go on to One Life to Live and The Young and the Restless, let's take Laura, who is on the line and been standing by. She's down there in Florida. Laura, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hey, Richard. Hey, Laura. How are you? Oh, I'm disgusted, but that's um, I don't understand how ABC could bring Brenda back and not only leave Jax out of the story, but put him so far on the back burner that it doesn't even seem like he's on the show. Um, Dante's obsession with Brenda has destroyed the pairing between Dante and Lulu, as far as I'm concerned, and um, even what they're previewing about Jerry makes absolutely no sense and makes me not want to watch well, Laura, fabulous Sebastian Roche. Let's turn uh, real quickly, Laura. Let's turn to what was your favorite storyline of 2010 on GH? Um, I think it was the abuse storyline. I think. And how about your favorite or the performer who you think most deserves an Emmy for their work on GH last year, this past year? <laughs> I don't think any of them do. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> well, on, on that, Laura, we're going to let you get back to listening to the show. I want to thank you for calling. We have some other callers, and we want to make sure we get in One Life to Live and The Young and the Restless. So thanks for calling in. You know, Dan, uh, I, 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 I... One thing. Do, do you have any idea why Jax is left out of the story altogether? You know, I'll answer that. Um, I, I think that it's kind of a case of... 
they were so focused on Brenda and and Sonny and this Balkan story and everything that you're right. They Laura is completely right. They 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 even indicated to us in their choice of clips and the flashbacks and everything before she appeared on air. It sort of indicated to us that they were going to revisit, you know, what is basically one of the greatest triangles in recent General Hospital history, which was Jax and Brenda and Sonny. That's a, that's a fantastic triangle. And instead Jax has been reduced to sort of a secondary player who whose actions don't even make sense. Um, you know, like the other day when he was telling when Olivia wanted to slap him upside the head because he said, "I'm going to send Car- I'm going to send Brenda flowers and roses, and I'm going to make her see there's other alternatives." And Olivia was like, "Are you presenting yourself as an alternative?" And he said, "Well, no." Well, then what are you doing? It makes no sense. So I, I completely agree with Laura that that Jax really they just misused him terribly in this story i do think in the next couple weeks it'll get a little more interesting because once you inject uh jerry into the mix jack is going to find himself in the position of having to protect the women in his life meaning both carly and brenda and it's kind of a question of how far will he go and how will that impact brenda so i do think there'll be at least a little bit more of jack's playing to this story but it's it's not really what it should have been well, thanks, Laura, again for your call. Now, let's quickly move on to One Life to Live, which I have a feeling you probably have a lot of best picks based upon reading your tweets. So let's go right to it. What are some of the best storylines or moments from One Life to Live in 2010? The interesting thing is that, as usual, One Life to Live has been had a wildly uneven year. If, you would, if we had been having this conversation three or four months ago, I would have said, I would have had as much trouble finding something positive to say about One Life to Live as I did with General Hospital. Um, because it, there was just a lot of stuff going on that I had no interest in. And this happens with One Life to Live. I find that almost every year, six months of it is fantastic, six months of it is crap. And the weird thing is that it's usually not a mixture, you know? It's usually all or nothing on both <laughs> sides of the scale. I, I think my best for One Life to Live this year right now would probably be um, I really, really love Bad Clint. I feel like they are they are using yeah. Jerry Verdorn. You know, he is this really likable guy. He's a really likable presence on screen, and yet he's completely believable as doing exactly the kind of things that Asa would have done were he still alive. He is he he will do anything and everything in the name of protecting the Buchanan family, the Buchanan fortune, and and to me there's just so much great story that has come spun out of that. The worst for can me Can I speak for us would, on that cuz I think we might have the same one. Well, maybe we don't, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. Go for it. Jessica Jessica is a 17-year-old. Oh, for the love of Mary. It just, you know, <laughs> really? You look in the mirror and you still think you're 17? I mean, you know, Brie, you're a beautiful, Brie is a beautiful girl, and certainly if anybody could pull it off, it would be her. But it was just, it was one of those stories that I always say that every head writer should, when they're getting ready to start a new story, they should sit down in a room with a group of people, half of whom are fans of the show and half of whom don't watch soap operas at all and, in fact, have a very negative opinion of soap operas and pitch the story. And I suspect that had they sat there and said, okay, Jessica's going to be 17 again and she's going to fall. She's going to think she's still in love with Christian. And I think the One Life to Live lovers would have gone, are you nuts? And I think the people who 
don't like soaps would have just fallen out of their chairs laughing at how ridiculous the idea was. You know, I think as soap fans, we come to expect some things that are soapier than others. Uh, I don't know if this is the first time that anyone has ever thought they were 17 or not, but certainly it's not the first time that someone on the soap has thought that they were someone else or somewhere else in time or amnesia or whatever. I just, uh, it was kind of painful to watch. Even, you know, you could have had the best acting in the planet. You could have had, you know, uh, Meryl Streep and Helen Mirren and whomever come in, and it just, it wouldn't have worked because it just was something that, just isn't possible. It's like the unabortion on all my children. It's like the cloning on Guiding Light. There are just things that eh, they don't work. But exactly, they just simply do not work. You know, the cloning was a great example. It was an intriguing idea, but I don't know that soaps are where you want to go for intriguing ideas. You know, I think soaps need to do what they do best, which is heartfelt emotion and drama and the occasional, you know, over-the-top drama. And, you know, we, you know, granted, unlike any other medium out there, you know, I get very annoyed when shows like Law & Order celebrate the fact that they've, you know, completed their 300th episode. I'm like, really? Exactly. In 15 years, you did 300 episodes. Kudos, you, because <laughs> the folks at, you know, any of our soaps do that in a year without breaking a sweat. Uh, and, and, and when you're doing that, obviously some stories are going to be better than others. But, yeah, that was just... That was just not good. Not good. You're, you, but you are. You, you've maybe made the list again for the year-end show with that. Kudos, you. Uh, let's do the <laughs> Emmy. I told you the pressure's on. <laughs> good. I'm glad. Let's do the Emmy pick for One Life to Live for 2010. Uh, Emmy pick. I would probably go with Jerry Verdorn. I, I think he has become sort of the kind of, He's made Clint someone who, even if I'm fast-forwarding through stuff, as soon as I get to it, I'd stop. Now, I do wish that the daytime Emmys had sort of like a a guest star subcategory because, mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose that it could be supporting actor, but they'd never give it to him. But John Wesley Shipp has forever transformed my opinion of him. I mean, just every acting choice he's making is phenomenal. I mean, the other day when he was barking at Nora, this is yeah. this is the definition of a fearless performance. He just is willing to do absolutely anything to sell this character and 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 it works. I'm going to pick based on the Halloween scenes uh and the craziness that was going on. I really would like to see Kristen Alderson finally get a daytime Emmy nomination. I'd like, you know, the saying goodbye to the baby. It, it Moved even me and my stone-cold, bitter heart that looks like the Grinches. It even made me a little teary and sobby. Now we have has, about she never, has she never gotten a nomination? I don't think so. I don't think uh, she has. You're right. Then, then we have to change this. I, I have to take back my nomination. I love you, Jerry Verdorn, but I'm going to have to. <laughs> if I only get one pick, I'm going to have to side with Dan. And since the two of us have said it, okay, Emmy people, make it so. So it is written, so it is done. Now let's so hurry up done. and try to get through The Young and the Restless so we have time to do our previews, which we'll try to get through quickly. But The Young and the Restless, the worst storyline for me was the Daisy and Tom, the Sheila Carter twins, the, the whatever. Ugh, couldn't take it. Uh, and I really love her, and she's an Emmy winner, and she isn't a friend of the show yet, but hopefully she'll come on even after I say this. I really wish Eden Regal had went back to All My Children as Bianca instead of Heather on The Young and the Restless there. I've said it. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, you are going to burn in a very special corner of Hades for that, but I'm going to be there with you because I completely <laughs> agree. I, I, 
just the character is wasted. There's just it's I don't know. I can't get behind it. I want to. I love Eden. I absolutely love her. But this just this just is not working. And it doesn't help that she's stuck in this really bad Ronin story because almost everything about Ronin is kind of a low point for me. I, I you know they brought him on as this as this cocky, you know, obnoxious guy, which, okay, already made it hard to like him. Even after you tell me that he's Nina's son, who I love Nina, I worship Trisha Cast, still doesn't make me like him. And now, you know, he's got this Insta disease where one minute he's, where he only seems to have <laughs> symptoms when Heather's in the room. That, you know, every any other time he's perfectly fine. So Those are called allergies. Take a yeah, shot. Maybe he's allergic to her. <laughs> That's it. If we could just keep them apart, then he'll be fine. <laughs> I have to say, yeah, that was that was bad. And, and you know, as far as the the Daisy and 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 Ryder and all that, I have to agree. And and the reason that that deserves kind of singling out as not only one of the worst stories on YNR, but one of the worst stories of 2010, is that they played us and not in a good way. They. They knew every step of the way. They knew that we were expecting that when the reveal came, it was going to be Sheila. They knew it. They milked it for months and months and months. And then when it came, when when we got the reveal, it was like, really? It's a Lauren lookalike? Uh, no. So, so you know, shame on Young and the Roslos for doing that to us. Now, we um, have as- to do our Emmy picks so that we can do the preview. So who would be your Emmy pick for the Young and the Restless for 2010? Eric Braden. I, you know, there are some people who think that he is sort of one note. Um, I don't care. He can play that note every day for the rest of my life because I think when Victor declares, you know, the war on someone or Victor has that little moment of weakness or, you know, Victor is a bad, mean, horrible guy. And yet... I love him, you know, I, I absolutely, I understand him, I forgive him, I, I, I love him, so I would have to go with Eric Braden. I went with another mean, evil, horrible person on the show, not in real life, Michael Muni. Uh, I think that they're going to love him, I think that he's going to get a nomination, but it's also going to depend in my head, uh, at least for me anyway, what category he submits his name into. So, let's move on now, quickly, we have about, ooh, about a minute and a half per show, Let's do our previews for 2011, and let's go all the way back to A and start with All My Children. What is one of the big stories that you see coming? All- Kendall's going to have a big health crisis, and conveniently, there happens to be a hunky new doctor in town. So, um, you know, I think you'll start to see that unfold as well as more about Griff and Kara and their connection to Jake and Amanda and that whole story. One of the things I'm not looking forward to in 2011 is uh, Finn Whitrock is leaving. That means Damon is gone. I really wanted to see a Damon and Liza love story or something in 2011. Now it's not going to happen. I completely agree. How do you? I'm upset. How do they yank Damon out of the equation when he is so he's perfectly poised to be part of like three different stories? Plus, it makes Tad an island again, and nobody wants that. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going to go on there. Uh, There's, of course, some different uh, reasons about why people are leaving, but we'll leave it at that. And we'll go to the bold and the beautiful. One of the things that I know that's coming up in 2011 is a special 6,000th episode uh, sometime in February. The the date isn't quite on my head at the moment, but it's going to be a special standalone episode that 
focuses on lung cancer patients and survivors. And I think that that has, again, the potential to be informative and sort of insightful into the story as well. I'll admit, I'm not a huge fan of that kind of stuff. I, I you know, I, I don't like when I feel like my soaps are beating me over the head with, with social issues stuff. I felt that way with some of the special episodes down on Skid Row. I, I mean, I enjoyed it on a certain level, but it just, I don't know, it, it, it's not my favorite thing in the world. For me, I think the, the, the big story that I'm kind of looking forward to is um, Hope Liam... Uh, Oliver and Amber, because um, Amber, you know, she takes the advice of her mother, which is never a good idea. When Tawny comes to town, she takes her, her mom's advice, and there's a big party coming up for Liam that kind of kicks off the new year, and uh, and the events that happen as a result of that night are going to really just, like, change that whole quadrangle and just tip them upside down. So I'm really looking forward to that. For Days of Our Lives, I know that a lot of fans in 2011 are looking to the return of some familiar characters, if not necessarily faces. Of course, Christy Clark is back as Carrie, and newcomer Kate Manzi, hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Kate, if not, come on the show and tell me otherwise, will be taking the role of Abby Devereaux. So I think fans like to see characters that they know about come back. I agree completely, and I think the other thing that fans want and are finally going to get, I, I don't think fans have been happy with Bowen Hope's story for a long time, and um, they're about to get um, a big story. Bowen Hope get a big story in the new year um, that, you know, it's not really probably saying too much out of school to reveal that, you know, that Bo is going to try and get Hope out of danger in prison, and as a result, it's going to push them and their relationship sort of back onto the front burner. And the other people that are going to be really happy is, you know, we're always hearing from the EJ and Sammy fans, and I mm -hmm. think you're going to see EJ and Sammy, despite all of the things that have happened, they're going to grow closer as a result of an illness um, for one of their kids. You know, that always is the kind of thing that draws couples together. And finally, the other thing that I'm really excited about is um, Vivian's revenge. You can't lock Vivian in a coffin for months on end and not think that she's <laughs> going to get back at everybody. So, so there's some good stuff coming up there. She's going to do some strangling in the bad way that we talked exactly. about earlier on the show. Over at General Hospital, of course, 2011, we already know that Franco is coming back not once, but at least twice. Uh, the Balkan is going to be revealed and, of course, probably wreak havoc throughout 2011. But the year's going to kick off with a dramatic skiing accident that involves a bus and all kinds of crazy carnage that I think is going to be a sweep storyline out of sweeps. So for me, those are some things to tune in for. I agree. The um, the year will kick off, you know, New Year with, with this bus crash, and um, at least one person will die as a result of it. Um, it's also going to sort of shake up the romantic canvas a little bit because there will be people who are um, emerge from it in a different place than maybe they went into it. Um, the Balkan is going to, as you said, create all kinds of trouble, and he's also going to, like, Brenda's got some secrets still yet hidden that will wind up coming out as a result of that. And Jason and Sam are going to, um, they're going to have a major development that could potentially change everything in their relationship uh, in the future. Ooh, you've 
gotta love something that can change everything. Let's put, <laughs> go to One Life to Live. We don't want to run out of time. Everything changes everything every week. <laughs> <laughs> everything for 2011. I'm selfish. I'm actually looking for the collision of Aubrey and Kelly. Of course, Terry Khan and Gina Tonioni. I just want to see the two of them go at it. Uh, when they realize what's going on and all kinds of craziness. Uh, we only have about two minutes, so we're going to hurry up and get through this one and Young and the Restless. How about for you? Uh, One Life Live, I think what you're going to really find with um, Terry Khan's Aubrey is that she has connections that you might not expect, and they're going to start to unfold. Um, and there's going to be um, Blair. Blair has that box that when she opens is going to send her on an adventure, and it's going to be with somebody new, which is good. or Not somebody new, but somebody you might not expect, which is good because it'll kind of take her out of the perpetual Todd cycle that she's been in. And um, there's also, let's not forget, the bad Clint. And Clint is going to, as the year, at the, the first couple weeks of the year, a couple months of the year, Clint is going to find his pigeons coming home to roost in a big way. And The Young and the Restless, uh, for 2011, what are the one or two storylines that you think everybody's going to want to tune in for? Well, as everybody knows, I'm all about Victor these days, and um, Victor is going to have um, – he's, he's going to kind of have to pay the price for some of the things that he's done, and the price is going to be really high. It'll involve tragedy, uh, and, and it'll really shake up the Newman family. I'm also – you know, I love Maura West. I think she's a really fascinating addition to the canvas, and – um, her Diane's next relationship move is going to be both shocking and it's going to upset a lot of people in Genoa City. Well, there you have it. Those are our previews for all of the soaps. Richard, it's always a pleasure to have you here on the show. Always a blast. You know that. So for everybody out there, the next time that you're in line at the grocery store, be sure to pick up a copy of ABC Soaps in Depth or CBS Soaps in Depth or both, depending upon what shows you like. And if you hate grocery shopping and avoid it at all costs, I'm not sure why you would. It's one of my favorite things to do, but to each their own. Don't forget, you can also subscribe to the magazines by visiting SoapsInDepth.com. If you missed any part of today's episode or want to hear it again, head on over to SoapCentral.com slash radio for all sorts of listening options for this and every other edition of Soap Central Live. Just a reminder that there are two special episodes coming up before the end of the year. On December 24th, it is our Two Scoops columnists turned for their best and worst of 2010. And then on December 31st, it's a look back at the memorable moments here on the first year of Soap Central Live. I'm working on these two episodes now. So far, they're, they're highs, they're lows. You'll laugh, you'll cry. It's going to be two weeks that you will definitely want to tune in and listen to every moment of the show. But until then, I'm Dan Kroll. I'm signing off on another edition of Soap Central Live. <laughs> Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.